We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. That's what it boiled down to. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse. I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. I slowly am starting to think that Jim Moore is becoming university spokesman. And that's not a good thing. I hate that I have to play that every Monday. Now. I know it. And I sometimes, it. like today, it really, it really hit hard. It's like, okay, I. I think that was from about 30 years ago, but it really sounds like it was what most people were saying walking out of the LNC on Saturday night after that second half. Yeah, you know, started off good. You know, we're hitting some shots. What they made, it was six or seven threes in the first half. Dude, they were up 11 with like two and a half minutes left in the first half. It was going great. It was going perfect. We're going to win for Billy. The crowd, you know, there's a lot of KU fans there, but the OU fans are in this thing. Here's your chance for your biggest signature win. It was uh, it, was, it started off perfect. Yeah. And uh, then, yeah. You know, there's we can talk about a lot of stuff in that basketball game, kind of how the season has, has unfolded. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff going on, but you got to make shots. Yep. Right? You just you, you got to make shots. At some point, you got to get the, the ball through the hoop and – you know, I just that last exchange, I don't know, five minutes or so in the second half, we were within range. Uh we weren't playing great, but we were within range and I think we missed two wide open threes, a little mid range jumper, and off all of those misses, Kansas went right down and got a bucket well, and I think maybe the sequence that you're talking about or maybe there was multiple of these in the yeah. second half. But OU gets down seven, eight, something like that, and there were back-to-back possessions where OU had a good look at it from three. And oh, they, yeah, and they missed open. both of them. Yep. I'm thinking to myself, like, yeah, if you hit those two right there, then all of a sudden it's a two-point game, crowd's back in it. But, yeah, four of 22, one of 11 from three in the second half, that's – even for a team that's been terrible on the road, that's, that's not going to get it done. Right. It was just another uh, gut punch on Saturday and another time where the crowd was awesome. They, they were there. And for some reason, this team just can't play its best basketball when the uh, when the crowds there in packed. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating, and I know there's nobody more frustrated than those guys. I uh, here's the thing: it's not a game that we penciled in as a win. It's one we were hopeful, and after the, you know, the I guess the the first third of the game, it felt like okay, we've got something here, and then you kind of fell apart, but. I still believe that this team's going to be playing really good basketball when they get out of conference. If we can get to the NCAA tournament, which you know we've talked about, isn't isn't just uh, like it's not a given. Not necessarily, a given. we're not locked into that. You feel like we're going to get there, but I I don't know. I just you know they've got their limitations right now. There's no doubt about that, but I still think they can accomplish some good things this year. Maybe they need to get some uh, shots up here at the Young Family Athletic Center. Is this place there's, incredible There's or what? plenty of courts. Like, everyone on the team can have their own <laughs> end of the court. This place is so impressive. It's really cool. Man. I, this is my first time in here. and I've never seen anything like this. No. I Gosh, I don't know how many full-size courts you got. I mean, eight. Eight, yeah. In, incredible. And Now – uh, I'm a fan of the uh, of the old air, airplane hangar that we had previously. I played in there in an AAU basketball tournament when I was a little kid. Uh, that's got some sentimental value, but this is 
a little bit more in line with uh, with what we need in the community. So this is this state is of the art, man. It's not yeah. just basketball; it's volleyball, uh, pickleball, swimming. Just it's for the community. It's for young athletes. It's kind of it's kind of for everyone. It's you, you got to be proud that a facility like this is in Norman. It's 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 pretty cool. Slim Brady says that clip sure is starting to get played a lot. <laughs> That's what That's I'm saying. True. I feel like Jim Morris, the uh, the new spokesman for the university, and that is not a good thing. Clinton Tulsa says, can Jenny Baranchek just take over as men's coach? She seems to actually understand the game and how to coach. Imagine that. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of criticism with the basketball program today. The, the game, the, the game obviously did not in the way that any of us were, were hoping. I thought they did a really good job, though, of honoring Billy. Uh, throughout the game and especially at halftime what tommy tubbs wrote and what he said like that was that was beautiful i, I hope tommy's listening right now uh if you know tommy just please remind him again of how just i mean it was fantastic dude it, it, it was heartfelt it was it was perfect tommy did such a good job and a rude kansas fan really tried to ruin the moments <laughs> throughout the day well, you know, they're, they're talking about the 88 team that made it to the national championship game. And, of course, some KU fans screaming out, Yo, they lost to us! National champs, baby! Just some morons that were there wearing blue on Saturday. OU's at the free throw line. Some guys yelling, OU sold their souls with Texas for the SEC! <laughs> or OU'd be shooting, Lincoln Riley is a saint! Just stupid stuff the entire time. That's good, though. you got to respect it. Yeah. You got to respect it. Um, you know, it is it is kind of funny that you got a bunch of Kansas fans and you're talking about the 88 season and Kansas happens to be there. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, congratulations. Well, let's, just, let's just let us honor Billy, okay? Show some <laughs> respect, please. Everyone knows he won the 88 championship, all right? right. Just show a little respect and let, let's let Billy have his moment where, you know, his name's going up in the rafters. It annoyed me a little bit. But um, we'll get back to basketball because this is on the OU Insider Twitter page. And Parker and I were talking about, uh, or I was trying to guess, who the next general manager or who the general manager of the OU football program is going to be. I said, is it a former player? And he said, no comments. So the text line was guessing former players the entire time. It's not you. No. It's not you. You will not be the next general manager of OU. OU Insider is saying multiple sources tell OU Insider that former OU linebacker Curtis Lofton is set to occupy the role of general manager for the Oklahoma football program. Of course, he's been with the sole mission for the last two years. He's been working behind the scenes, and he's already been performing some of the duties of the GM role for quite some time. Well, so happy for Curtis, man. Good for him. Yeah, if if – if that's legit, then uh, that's not a surprise to me at all. Uh, I think he's more than capable. He's, yeah, he's been doing a lot of stuff there. You know, he's always, since since the inception, been heavily involved in the sole mission. And, you know, there's there's a lot of lot of details that go into that. I mean, I, obviously there's a lot of player-involved stuff for sure, but there's community outreach. There's being involved with uh, – local business community there's nil stuff that's going on um there's all kinds of stuff that that he's been doing behind the scenes and you know it it ties in with recruiting obviously he's on top of all of that you know i don't i honestly don't know what all the gm 
you know position is is uh, is really going to entail. My guess moving forward, because of the landscape, it's probably going to be quite a bit of you know almost NFL style stuff where sure. you're you're talking about the roster management. Roster management. You got numbers. You got portal numbers. You've got NIL stuff that you've got to deal with and at some point i think the university is going to be you know involved with what's going on with the nil at an official capacity i don't think they are right now uh but yeah i i think curtis lofton's got a really good understanding of what goes on behind the scenes obviously he's a former player played for brent venable so he's got a really good you know, understanding of Coach Venable's mindset at all times. Too. Yeah, I think this is probably mostly going to be a like a roster management sort of situation with the portal and everything going on. This isn't, oh my gosh, what was the title? Uh, Director of Football Ops. Right. Doesn't sound like it's necessarily the same duties as that. Yeah. That Matty McM- McM- uh, McMillan did for uh, Bob Stoops all those years. Right. But we have a special guest this segment, Richie Splits, President and CEO at Norman Regional Health System, now joins us. Uh, Richie, I don't know what my expectations were for this place, but this is this place is outstanding. It's incredible, and it's pretty cool that uh, Norman Regional is involved as well. Oh, it's, it is a fantastic place. And before I go on, I just want to say thank you to the KREF for uh, just a fantastic day of broadcasting. Everybody's been, uh, you know, gracious and and expressed the the beauty of this place. Uh, one of my colleagues actually uh, talks about the gymnasium as a piece of jewelry. Uh, it's just so shiny and bright yeah. and wonderful. And you guys have just done a wonderful job getting the word out. So thank you for being here today. Well, why did Norman Regional want to be involved with the Young Family Athletic Center? Well, I think it's about health and wellness in our community. And, and a multi-sports facility in and of itself is a benefit. But when you can bring Trey Young and the Young Family Foundation to expand a gymnasium like this, and then Norman Regional to come into the middle and provide the health and wellness services that we do, the sports and human performance. It's just uh, it's a special place, and we definitely wanted to be a part of that. Now, the last time I talked to you about this, you were telling me that it, obviously you've got the athletic facilities, the courts and everything, but like and you mentioned the health and wellness, like kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff that, sure. that goes into the sports and conditioning and, and making sure everyone's healthy, and that's a real showcase uh, part of this this facility as well. It really is. The bricks and mortar are nice, but the expertise of the physicians and all the other providers that we have, uh, the technology is incredible. Uh, the, the techniques that we use to help train people at every level of performance, whether it's getting back to everyday uh, work function, uh, or taking it to another level like Trey Young has done is we're going to be right there uh, helping people get to the next level of performance. I don't know what Richie said or what Richie did, but this facility is amazing. But is this not, like, the coolest place in the entire facility? Like I was saying earlier, Richie, I feel like I'm a GM doing a radio <laughs> show in here today. Just, like, got the office looking out amongst the glass to all the, the courts that's out there. That's so true. you get the best seat in the house. That's a great point. This, this space, we're standing in the Sports Science Institute right now, and it's a part of a contiguous space where GMs, coaches, managers, scouts, they all can sit here in this perch and watch the talent on the courts, and uh, whether it's recruiting or just doing assessments, they can do that from this spot as well as down on the court. So uh, that even goes into our physical therapy and our uh, sports and performance downstairs where we can do uh, provide first aid support, dynamic digital x-ray when that's needed. But, yes, this is all 
a lot of thought went into this and being very intentional about taking this facility to the next level to help our athletes and our community get to the next level. Who have been some of the people behind the scenes? Because, you know, this is obviously a massive undertaking on a million different levels. Obviously, the construction, Mm -hmm. the, the architecture, design, community becoming involved, obviously... Uh, you know, finding the finances for it, but it's just a, it's so many moving parts. Like who are some of the main people that, that you think were, or, or need, we need to thank as a community for getting some of this stuff done? That's a great point, and it starts with the people of Norman. Those who voted to approve the tax to allow these quality of life amenities to be added to our community, it starts with them. Uh, people like Mike Fowler, who had a dream and really connected folks to, to create momentum uh, for all the Norman Forward projects. But it starts with the people who voted for this quality of life improvement. And uh, from there, it's certainly the city leadership, the city council, the mayor, uh, our, our city manager, and, and all, all the folks who had to come together to say yes. And then where do we place it? And then how big will it be? And what are the services we want to provide there? So it, it's, it's about the people of Norman and the leadership of our city, and then many folks coming together to say, yes, this is this is the right design. We gave Teddy a basketball and made him shoot ten free throws down there. How many do you think he'd make? Uh, ten. No way. He's right. No way. He's exactly I say, right. I say four out of ten is what you would make. In <laughs> well, fact, everyone's, everyone's gathering there because Richie's going to speak. Jason Olson's going to speak. Right. I think Rayford Young is going to speak is. as well. So all those people are down there, and right in the middle of the ceremony, we're going to make you shoot ten free throws. All eyes on you to see if you can hit ten out of ten. Now, I thrive in pressure situations, so I'm much more likely to hit, hit ten out of ten in that <laughs> in, in that, uh, that that spot than I am to just standing out there by myself. But not well, Tyler, my, that's not my my go-to. You mentioned Rayford Young, and so I, I should have also talked about Trey Young and his family, Rayford, Candace, all the rest of the family, and what they've done. Uh, it's remarkable the 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 money that they've uh, added to this project to make it bigger than. And as we come together as a community, we can be bigger than. We can be stronger than uh, just a small dream. And they allowed us to dream big. And this is uh, just another uh, a great opportunity for our community to thrive. The team that you have at Norman Regionals, just fantastic. They are. You've got the all-star team. Like The all-star game was last night, the all-star weekend, and Trey was a part of that. I thought he was going to win the three-point contest. So close. Richie, you you have assembled an all-star team over at Norman Regional. They they are great people. We call them healers, and they truly are healers uh, focused on helping you get to, you know, reach your, your maximum potential. Well, thanks for coming over and speaking with us. Happy yeah. to be here, and, and great job today. Keep up the good work. Yeah. You guys do a wonderful job. We there appreciate you go. You, Richie right. Split, CEO of Norman Regional. We'll take a timeout. Back for more uh, here at the Young Family Athletic Center right here in Norman. Keep it locked on the ref. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I mean, I had a lot of content for us today. OU softball, OU baseball, OU basketball, J.R. Sandlin going to SMU, Steve Sarkeesian gets a raise, spring ball battle, best quarterback wide receiver duo of all time since Fox College football had a post that had uh, Landry Jones and Ryan Broyles in it. But I guess the big story of the day has to be this Curtis Lofton news, right? OU Insider reporting that Curtis Lofton is set to occupy the role of general manager for the Oklahoma football program. So it's like two stories in one there. One, Curtis Lofton is getting uh, elevated within the program. Two, OU now has a new title. 
general manager. Yeah, see, I guess that's what I, that was what I was about to ask. Because this is all because of um, Sandlin's departure, right? Yeah, he's going to SMU. GM at SMU. And what he wasn't. What was his title here? He was just recruiting coordinator, right? He, basically, yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, I think that Curtis Lofton is. He's in a. He's like the perfect spot where. Number one, he's got a ton of credibility. Uh, was an amazing player at OU. Had a fantastic NFL career. He really did. So, like he he holds a lot of respect from the guys that are coming in because he's been there, done that. Uh, he he understands what the transition is all about. He understands like whenever he says something about NIL and and the NFL and which is better and. You know, it carries a lot of weight. He also understands talent. He can see talent. He can, you know, identify talent. He can he can help scout talent, whether it's high school talent, whether it's portal talent. And, uh, you know, one of the, the best things of all is he speaks Brent Venable's language, understands the man inside and out, but he also is – He's in a position where he's not a yes man, if that makes sense. Whenever you ask Curtis Lofton, and I'm saying this from inside the program, when you ask his opinion on something, he's going to tell you his opinion. He is not going to tell you what. Well, that's what you need at that at that spot. Exactly. Then. Yes. He's not going to say what, what he thinks the head man wants to hear. He's going to say what he thinks. And. I, uh, he's super smart. Um, I, I just, if this is the, if this is in fact a hire as it's being reported, I, I can't say enough positive things about it. Well, uh, you know, and going back to, he says what he thinks, not just what everyone wants to hear. I think that that's an incredible thing for a role like general manager and maybe why that's, I think that's probably just his personality, maybe a little bit right as to why that's the case, but well, he's, he's a guy too that. He wants this job, but he maybe doesn't necessarily need this job financially with the spot that he's in, right? Well, yeah, he wants to yeah. be around OU. He wants a title. He wants to help out Brent. But if he wanted to just sit back and he likes to play golf, right? right. Apparently he's yep. a really good golfer. If that's what he wanted to do, he'd probably do that for the rest of his life. So it's, it's, I, I, I feel like it's a good fit for, from both sides, what yeah, it feels like to me. You, I, at times you can run into problems – and this isn't just a sports thing. It's really everything. It's business. It's whatever. Whenever you you have some people that are really ambitious, right? They want to climb the ladder. They want they want uh, recognition. They want you know more money. All of those things. And I'm not saying that those are bad things, but they can be bad things, right? Instead of maybe doing what you ultimately think is right, you do what advances you in that career. So I don't think you're going to get any of that from Curtis Lofton. That's why I, I, I still say if that's the hire, I could not be behind it any more than I, I am right now, 100%. J.R. Sandlin, uh, like we said, uh, director of on-campus recruiting, he's headed to SMU to be the GM there. And it's still it, it's crazy to think just how much of a – I, how, how 
how much people are spending on their college football programs these days. Mm -hmm. Now, those college football programs are netting the athletic department, the universities, a lot of money. But 20 years ago when you're playing, man, the head coach might make 1.5, maybe close to $2 million. You didn't have all these additional staffers. Like Now we're creating roles with – creating new titles that have never been there before with college football programs. It's just more of a serious business than it feels like it ever has been. Yeah. Which is the the money that's there. More money, more problems. That's true. And as you continue to bring in more and more revenue, there's more and more, uh, I don't know, situations that need uh, managed and managed properly. And I don't know. I, it is wild how big the, the uh, the program and behind the scenes, the administration, the football operations, and everything has absolutely ballooned, and it's not a bad thing. You know, I, I think think it can be obviously a really good thing. It, it wasn't very long ago where it was, as you mentioned, it was the the coaching staff, the strength and conditioning staff, and the training staff, the medical staff, and on. At, behind that, really all you had was, like, clerical staff that handled a lot of stuff. And now it's, a, like, a full-on recruiting, like, an entire section of the program that is, you know, fully operational within itself, that's staffed with a bunch of people. You've got social media and marketing where they're always putting stuff out, always putting content out, and it all kind of works together. But the the beast has gotten really big. Well, and forget even 20 years ago, like I said, because that really kind of is an eternity in college football these mm-hmm. days. But it's been like before Brent got here, like all these additional titles that we're talking about right now, yeah. those didn't really exist until Brent got the job here. Right. You know, I and joining the SEC, I think – was probably a part of that, seeing how many staffers at Florida had when that was reported a couple of years ago. So even in the past three years, OU has a lot more people within the program with jobs than they did previously. In fact, it's pretty substantial how many more people they have on staff. Well, just – I mean, we didn't have hardly any, maybe one offense and one defense for um, analyst positions and then – Venables obviously grew that massively whenever he took over, and I think that was that was probably part of the the negotiations before he accepted the job is the pool of money to pay assistants, back office, uh, analyst roles, recruiting roles, all of that stuff put together because you know that's that's kind of what all the other big programs are doing, and you don't do it just because they're doing it. You, you hire based on need, and if, if you can keep all of those people busy with, with well-meaning things that have real results that add to the future of the program, then you got to do it. Uh, Jimmy and B.A. says, I noticed he – uh, Sandlin leaving stinks. OU having a lot of turnover before joining the SEC. Yeah, I think they're having some turnover. Um, we talked about the – OC and DC having new hires, but there's as much continuity as you could ask for with those two hires. There's quite a bit there. I wonder why the texture says Sandlin leaving stinks. What do you think that means? Like, like recruiting is going to suffer? I, 
on-field football is going to suffer? Like, what does that mean? I asked Jimmy. I would guess recruiting if I if I had to speak for Jimmy there. Well, what here's the thing. I, you, Sandlin would not leave the role he's in to go to SMU if I, he was. I'm not saying forced out, but I I think we'll recruit just fine. Yes. I, I don't want to take anything away from... They're already recruiting just fine in 2025. Right. Like, they're, I, I, they're I don't okay. want to take anything away from what he's done, um, but I think we're going to recruit just fine. There's not going to be any effect as to what happens on the field. So, I I don't know. I'm, I think we'll be better moving forward. How do you think GMs in college football will get criticized by the fans? Head coach is obvious. Offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator obvious. Even the strength coach, if you're bad in the fourth quarter consistently, then it means your strength coach isn't any good, right? Right. GM in the NFL is pretty easy, right? Like, God, look roster, at our roster. Yeah. Look at some of these contracts we have. Our GM's got to go. GM in college football is going to get criticized like everyone else. I just wonder what's going to have to happen for I don't that to know. be the case. I guess it's hard to really answer that question until – Till we know like an absolute definition of the role, like what exactly are you going to be doing? What what is like where does the buck stop with with all the things that you do? Is it is it recruiting? Is it transfer portal? Is it evaluation? Like what's the main main thing your day to day is going to be really involved with? I you know need to know that before you can really find something that you're going to point at and. And start to criticize, but I would say, for the most part, I being in identifying and being in on the right guys, and really the liaison between like what goes on nil wise and and the university moving forward. I because I do think, and I don't know when it's going to happen, but I do think there's going to be a, a integration of NIL collectives into universities at some point. So, all right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. 651-3439, Knippelmeyer text line. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman at the Young Family Athletic Center right here in Norman where looks like the ribbon-cutting ceremony is going on right now. Sounds like T-Row did maybe a little bit of a voiceover slash scene setter for this thing as well. Very cool. Got a ton of people in here, though, don't we? Yeah, it's very, very cool. Very well done so far. Yeah, really cool facility, Young Family Athletic Center. Um, they were even telling me that there's a like a, uh, a football field outside. Well, yeah, there's So a, if you want to run a 40, see what your updated time is, there's let a, us know. They're going to, it's not done yet, but there's going to be a turf field back there, top-of-the-line turf. I think he said 65 yards by 35 yards, something like that. Pretty big little section out there, multi-use. You can do all kinds of different drills, whatever work out there. So very cool. Uh, Diamond Sports, that went quite well this weekend for yes, OU. Did. Baseball took two out of three down in Arlington. Lost the season opener, maybe not the uh, – the, the best performance, they had some uh, pass balls, some wild pitches in that game. But they came back and beat a really good Tennessee team mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, came back to beat Nebraska. Walk off Jackson Willits. Well, that, that was his first hit in an OU uniform. And it's a wow. walk off in a big league ballpark. That's pretty awesome. And his awesome. dad's on the staff. And he played. That's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I, I, 
I don't know, just I didn't see it, but just kind of reading up on what went down, it sounded like he had been, I don't know, maybe struggling may not be the the right word for it, but uh, probably a really good confidence booster at a good oh, time. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. For a true freshman who was your opening day starting shortstop? That's yeah, man. Awesome. I, I mean, the kid can play, there's no doubt, but – Baseball is so much about confidence. And confidence. even for a kid that's got all the talent in the world and has a very high ceiling, it's it's different, man, when you step up in competition like that. And for a confidence boost to get a hit in a game like that, that's that's big time, man. You can be, it's big time for him. You can be a really good player and still go through some moments of self-doubt and uh, to, to have some awesome moments in some big-time games early in the year. To, uh, to verify to yourself that you deserve to be there can be really reassuring and, and spark something for you. Boy, it looks like uh, um, Spikerman is, is scoring a bunch of runs from that leadoff spot yeah. like, like you'd hope. Yeah, he didn't, maybe, he didn't have his best offensive year last year, and there were pretty high expectations for him mm-hmm. after he was like a key piece of that run to Omaha when the team made the national championship series, but he's off, he's off to a heck of a start this year already. I, I mean, he, he was, he's a really good – it feels like and it's early on they played three games, but his best year could be could yeah. be this year. Yeah. yeah, I think he – what, in the Nebraska game, I think he was three for five, scored three runs, and, um, you know, obviously they're going to be really dangerous on the base pass, which is, which is awesome. Exciting stuff from them, man. Drew from Flower Mound says 41 strikeouts. Our pitching depth is drastically better than last year. Went to Oregon and Nebraska game. It was fun. Yeah, Sooners are 2-1 and one to uh, to start the year. And they've got a fun non-conference schedule, and they'll get back to it this week. Uh, softball, it's officially 365 days since OU softball last lost a softball game. Wow. Full year since OU lost a game That's against crazy. Baylor. That's crazy. That's impressive. And – you never know what could happen. Hiccups can can take place. You can you can go out and not have it. You can have injuries. You can have illness. All kinds of different stuff can can show up over a year. So to be able to go on that type of run is incredibly impressive. And I, who knows what the future holds? Like I, we've talked about the the schedule this year is yep. not going to be nearly as difficult as yep. it was last year. Which you know I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing, whatever. But the opportunity is there to extend this thing for, for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, you play Texas in April. I think Texas might be the second-best team in the sport this year. Um, Georgia's really good as well, but Texas is, I think they're 7-0 and to start the year. They've beaten Tennessee, beaten UCLA a couple of times, beaten Stanford. They're really good, but you don't play Texas until early April. So there's some time before you go down to Austin and play that series. I, uh, I put out the latest episode of the Diamond Envy podcast earlier today, and I guess with every podcast episode and probably on this show, we're going to start using the Patty scale because she uh, well, she asked her team after the weekend in Mexico, like, what do you guys think on the 10 scale? 10 being the best, how well do you think you played in that first weekend? And she said that they got a lot of fours, a lot of fives, and like a few uh, a few sixes. So you go, what would you go, 5-0 and on the weekend – but maybe offensively you weren't as consistent as you want to be. Pitching was outstanding. I'm going to go with a uh, six on the uh, Patty scale you think, for how well they You they think it was week. a six? I say it was a six because the pitching was so good. Multiple pitchers, multiple great outings, 
They were really good in the circle this weekend. Not a who's who of competition, though McNeese was in a super regional last year. You, you, you played McNeese twice. But I'm going to go with the six. So, okay, why just the six, though? Because, like I said, offensively there were really some lulls. Like, for instance, the first game you played Central Arkansas. And if you're just box score watching, oh, hey, oh, you won that game 9 nothing in five innings. Did what they needed to do against a team like Central mm-hmm. Arkansas. Yeah, but the game was 0-0 in the bottom of the fourth inning. Okay. Like, and that's probably looking at it from the negative side. The positive side is, well, they can slump for <laughs> three innings, and they're so good they can put up a nine spot, and all of a sudden you go down. Like Central Arkansas, it's the bottom of the fourth inning, and you're tied with the number one team. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. do we have a chance to beat this team? And then well, you go from that to, oh, we have to score two runs in the next top half of the inning or the game is over. If I remember from previous years – I, the second time through the lineup is whenever it becomes incredibly dangerous for opposing pitchers, right? Whenever they get to see you for the second time and, and maybe even a third time. Um, but not saying that, that the pitching is at a level to where it should be like that. But, I mean, I feel like you're grading on a championship curve. I Well, that's what they are, dude. No, they're not. They are no. a championship team, the unanimous number one team. Yes, I, I grade very strict when it comes to this squad. They are not a championship team. Last year was a championship team. This year, I guess the only championship they have so far this year is the, whatever the Invitational was. They won that, okay? <laughs> You're grading them off of a like what a World Series. I'm grading them off what they would grade themselves. Okay. I'm basically giving them a very similar grade as to what they did. Actually, uh, my grade is on the higher ends, the highest grades that they gave themselves after beating two top ten teams in the first weekend of the season. Well, okay. So I, maybe I'm even being kind when it comes to my grade. I The only grade I really care about, and I don't mean any uh, disrespect to your grade, um, I'm, I'm – I'm taking it. I'm noting the six that you gave them. I want to know what what Coach Patty Gasso graded at one to ten. I mean, she told us what some of the players were. What did she say? I I haven't heard what she said. She'll probably tell the media at some point earlier this week. I think Maybe you, she'll say it was a three. It sucked. I'm grading on a championship curve. I think what it, you go counter to whatever the players do. If the players say it was a four, then you say, no, that was a ten. Are you guys crazy? Like what's, <laughs> Just to keep them guessing to where they don't know what to Five do. and oh, guys. What are we doing? 62 yeah. straights. I mean, can there be anything better than winning the game? I mean, that's that's really the ultimate goal here. That is, that is interesting, though, that, you know, you – Whenever the standard has become what it's become there, the players understand it. And even whenever you win, you can be happy and celebrate the win. But everyone on the team understands whether it's verbalized, whether people are talking about it or not. They know that it's not good enough. Yeah. Well, they only won 3 nothing. What, what's what's going on? Was, did the cold weather affect him? What, what's up with that? They only won 3 nothing. Well, 614 says the lineup shakeup was a wake-up call. She said it in the pregame with Plank. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can speak to this much better than I can. Like, the result of the game, like the score doesn't always it, – it, like, you can win a game 10-0, but – it can be filled with base running errors, fielding errors, 
just small little decisions that maybe to the untrained eye you don't even pick up, but whether it was a coaching point that someone missed or, you know, how they knew a pitcher was going to throw to them or how they were supposed to throw to a specific batter and they were missing their spots. I mean, there's And that's why I think the best example of what you're saying is that first game they played. Yeah. Again, it was 0-0 in the bottom of the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. Now, they're still so good that they can put up a nine spot and then the game's over three outs later. Like, that's how good they are. That's the upper end. I'm just going to guess that Patty just wants to see – like, not that you're going to complain about a nine spot, right. but you'd like to see a little bit more consistency offensively throughout the game. Like, the game on Saturday night, what they left ten runners on base. That's a mm. lot, dude. Yeah. That's a lot. I, I don't think that she's probably proud of leaving no. ten runners on base in one game. No. That's uh, – well, I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to see how they develop because, uh, yeah, they mix the lineup a little bit and – you know, it could take a little bit of time for this team to really hit their, their main stride. It but, might. You know, and I, in the circle, they were good, man. Kelly yeah. Maxwell's a star. Nicole May was really good this weekend, but Kelly Maxwell is. Um, is she going to be their. Is Maxwell going to be their number one starter? Yeah. You think that's how it's going to end up? I, and yeah, then I do. Nicole May. And I think that you're two. kind of already. Like, we're so early on in the season, but you can. A lot of times, like who pitches and what, like who gets the start in certain games, that kind of tells mm-hmm. you maybe who the number one or who the ace is or who they think the ace is. She started against Duke in the first weekend. Then she came in relief against Washington. But then McNeese was the best team you played this weekend. She got the start in the second game of the weekend, but the first game against McNeese. Yeah. So that kind of tells me that they view her as, as the ace. And yeah. not only has she been good in a starter role, she's been excellent in relief as well. That's yeah. pretty big time. Yeah. Well, and, and that's, again, that's one of the, the main things that the luxuries that Oklahoma has had that others don't. There's a lot of good starting pitchers out there, but the fall off between one and two is typically pretty dramatic, but not so much at Oklahoma. Sometimes one, two, and three. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. We'll come back, wrap up hour number one next. Cavens Group bring you this hour of the rush. Check them out, cavensgroup.com, for any emergency repairs to your home or your office building. Steve Sarkeesian, I'm sure, is in a very good mood today because he got a substantial raise mm. over the weekend, basically doubling his pay. $5.6 million in 2023, that's what he made. Now he's making $10.3 million in 2024. And when these head coaches' contracts are released, you always see – two dealer cars, yeah. 20 hours of private jet time. Like It's mm. not just that he's making over $10 million a year. And it's all the other perks. It's all the little up. perks that come with it, too, that are pretty awesome. Yeah, and not to, uh, not to sit here and throw a bunch of, uh, um, you know, goodwill towards Texas, but they did it right. They, they made a hire. They paid him a, a – a, a competitive amount and said, let's wait and see how it goes before we, you know, pay you a 10 year, $10 million a year contract out of nowhere. Let's, let's see how this thing goes. And, you know, as I see it from, from where I am, uh, it's a long ways away. Don't really know the inner workings of what's going on there at Texas, but for the most part, I've seen a tougher football team, a more disciplined football team, um, really good uh good systems offensively and defensively 
Sark has put together a really good coaching staff. They've recruited well. It feels like they've coordinated with their NIL collective to do some really good stuff in the transfer portal and, and in recruiting as well. I, I think think Texas is – I think Sark is running that program in a, in a really good manner, and they're, they're rewarding him for that. Was it his first year? where it was released that during a practice some donor like drove or like showed up at practice and was like hey just to let you know is that, that we, we still want you here you're not yeah. hearing about that stuff no anymore there and yeah no you're right texas did do it the right way giving him a contract extension after a playoff berth i was just shocked knowing how they operate like sark was only making $5.6 million last year. I I thought for sure he was $7.58 million, seeing how how they operate. Yeah, and it's crazy to think how quickly things kind of spiral out of control that $5.7 million is like, wow, I can't believe they're they're only paying their coach that amount which would have been the highest paid coach in college football yeah. 10 years ago he's he's done a nice job clearly but i think this year is another big year for him it's and a if, good and thing if, he got it signed and now. if he loses to ou like all of a sudden you look up and say well he's done a nice job but he's also one in three against ou so far that's right that's right he's he's not out of the woods by any stretch all right quick time out more from the rush coming up we got hour number two next